Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Um, we were supposed to record tomorrow, and so the boys, like one of the guys, couldn't do it. And so I was like, all right, we'll win. And so we're recording today right after this, too. Are you serious? So I'm going back to back. Oh, dang, dude. dude. We're all good. Okay. Yeah, they work. I hear. You hear? You check? All right, good. Right? They just eat the microphone, you know? He, hey, he does a podcast. Dude, he's yeah, professional. Okay. Is that thing staying up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. How's that? Does that sound great. Right? Great. Ray, you ready? Yeah. All right, hit it. We're doing it from the very beginning. Yeah, you got to do the intro so he can hear our stupid intro. And... <laughs> All right. We have an invisible person that we act like the intern. <laughs> no, I wanted you to do I thought you were going to do the invisible intern without him knowing, without saying it, and he'd be like, what the? But go ahead. There was a kid that we offered uh, $200. He emailed in, and what, he goes, dude, I think I can take your podcast to the next level. And he was like, I'm just getting out of college. If you guys will pay me 24000 a year, I'll move to Nashville and I'll run your social medias and everything. And his name was Arnold. And we were like, dude, we'll pay you 200 bucks if you want to come. And so he was like, no. And so now we just act like we hired Arnold and we <laughs> still use his likeness to yeah. this day. And he's probably <laughs> mad about it, too. No, no, he still emails in because he tried to get in our fantasy football league. So, All right, we're going to do it live. How are you, Arnold? Good, how are you guys? Who's the new guy? <laughs> That's Dax. He's on the soccer team. Get back. Get back. Help me with these dials. Put it down. Put it down. Let's do it live. We are the one, two, three. Sore losers. What up, everybody? I am Lunchbox. I know the most about sports. So I'll give you the sports facts, my sports opinions, because I'm pretty much a sports genius. Y'all, it's Sizzin. I'm from the north. I'm an alpha male. I live on the west side of Nashville with Baser, White Picket Fence. 2.5 2.5 kids die of a heart attack when I'm 72. Let's get to the guest, boys. Let's yeah, we get got to the guest. Yeah, all right, guys. If you don't, I don't know if a lot of you watch MLS. This dude has been around. He's been in New York. He's been in Chicago. He's been traded. He's moved. He, he's <laughs> what we call a journeyman. He also does a podcast called Journeyman. The one and only Dax McCarty. He started like 552,000 games in the NFL and <laughs> uh, not the NML, MLS. NFL too. NFL too. Yeah, yeah, I was a kicker. <laughs> Did you ever try to be a kicker? You know what? Uh, I never tried. We we kicked a couple field goals every now and then after practice a few days in Dallas. And then there was a guy who I played with. He was 16 years old when he turned pro. 
named Josh Lambeau. Okay, oh, yeah. and he was the he, Jaguar. He actually he actually turned pro. He played four years, four or five years of professional soccer. Decided this isn't for me. He was a goalie. Weird people. Weird goalkeepers are weird, man. Decided pro soccer wasn't for him. UPS went ba- drivers. Went back to college. I think he kicked at uh, Texas Tech or Texas A&M and turned pro, and he kicked in the NFL for like eight or nine years. So he's the only guy. He's a he's a true success story. That I, is so I couldn't wild. Do it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm I play soccer still to this day. I play co-ed soccer every Wednesday night, and so I played growing up since I was like five years old. At what age did you realize, damn, I'm really good at this? Oh man, I, I think I did. I, your parents tell you you could play pro, right? Like that's what I wonder because like a lot of parents nowadays they tell their kids, oh yeah, my kid's gonna be in the, yeah, play yeah, major yeah. league soccer. My kid's gonna be in the NFL. But it's so unrealistic. It is. I think so. I'm. I've been around, like you said in the intro, for a hot minute. I'm. I'm in my 18th professional season. So, you know, I, I was growing up when I was growing up in the mid 90s. I mean, soccer. It, it wasn't that big. You know, the World Cup, the Men's World Cup, came in in 94, and I think that a lot of people got interested after that. But honestly, I don't think my parents even had a second thought about like it was even a viable career to be a pro soccer player. And I realized when I was probably. 12 or 13 that I was significantly better than the kids I was playing against but was there a path to turn pro not really I watched uh, my dream was to play in Europe funny enough okay because MLS wasn't that big I I watched MLS I watched teams in Europe I wanted to play for Manchester United I'm a Man United fan Man you for better or worse but yeah my my parents were just like I think if we can get our kid a, a full scholarship to college we'll be happy were your parents athletes they were yep my mom played tennis my dad played every sport. My dad was from a small town in Missouri where he was the quarterback of the football team, pitcher for the baseball team, point guard for the basketball team. That, and so I, he never played sense. soccer. This yeah. makes sense. Dude, both parents being athletes, I think nowadays it almost leads to somebody being a professional athlete. Or the one of the people was a professional athlete. Case in point, Kenny Lofton, um, Vlad, Biggio. Jordan, Tatis Jr., LeBron, (laughs) all them, Messi, but okay, so you think it's part mostly genetics or was it hard work? I think it was a little bit of both. (laughs) I do think I have good genes because I'll I'll tell you guys something that's actually even more impressive for my parents, a little feather in their cap. Uh, My younger brother actually was also a pro soccer player, so he played for the LA Galaxy back when they had Landon Donovan, Robbie Keane, David Beckham. Uh, and so, look, I, I think a lot of it is genetics and a lot of it is hard work, man. My parents essentially were like, listen, you can make your dreams come true, but you got to work your ass off. That's the only way you're going to do it. Dude, the parents, the brother, I mean, it's destiny. Like, <laughs> let's be real. Yeah, but I, I mean, so, okay. So when you were 11, 12, were you playing against 15, 16, 17-year-olds? Like, Because I know Clint Dempsey, he grew up in Nacogdoches and... The competition wasn't good. Right. So he was driving to Dallas twice a week to, for practice and games and doing his homework in the car because he needed to play against better competition. How did you start playing against better comp? Yeah, that's that's a good question. When I was 12 or 13, I was playing at my age. And my brother was actually, he's actually two years younger than me. He was playing up with my age group. And so my brother was significantly better than I was growing up. He decided that his path would be, he wanted to go and play with his friends and I decided when I was like 14 or 15, you know, I needed to play against better competition, older players, because that's when you really develop. So, so when I was probably 14 or 15, I decided I was going to play in what is not what was called PDL, 
And it was essentially all college players trying to stay fit in their offseason. And so I was this young 15-year-old playing against college players who were all playing D1. And I think that really helped develop me, and it really kind of opened my eyes to, yeah, if I wanted to make this dream come true with hard work, I could definitely make it at the next level. Okay, and so you followed your brother to those, did you say? No, no, no. My brother decided, because he was playing up with with my age group, and he's younger than me. Oh, But, but okay. he decided, you know what? I do love soccer, but I want to have fun with my friends too. So he w- went and played down back at his normal age group. And so we kind of went in opposite directions. And he still, because he was super talented, he still managed to turn pro. Um, but he only played one season. But you and your brother sparring with each other and then the support at home. I mean, dude, yeah. you had the foundation to make it pro. That was the true. And you picked a sport that not many Americans picked. Exactly. Well, look at me. Uh, if, if people if people could see me right now, they would probably be like, that's not a pro soccer player, that's a used car salesman. Like, you don't look at me and think, oh, pro athlete for 18 years, right? And so, you know, our genes, you know, I'm 5'8", 155 pounds soaking wet, right? Soccer is a sport that naturally, if you look at the greatest player to, uh, of all time to ever live, in my opinion, Leo Messi's 5'7", 150 on Dude, a good day. Was somebody going to tell me that he was short? I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching on TV, and they showed you all the other yeah. team, and then it was him, dude, and he was a foot shorter See, than the, them. This is why soccer is the sport for, for the every man who can't be LeBron, who can't be the uber-athlete who can play college football in the NFL, in the NBA, right? Um, there's, the, there's a baseline of athleticism that you have to have to play soccer, and you have to have a baseline of good fitness, but you can look like a normal guy. You can look like a normal girl and be able to go and play these sports. And soccer was what I was drawn to right away. I played a bunch of – I didn't specialize. I loved soccer, but I played a bunch of different sports growing up. I played tennis. I played basketball. Soccer was the one that I really gravitated towards most. And luckily for me, it worked out. What parents? We, we need th- a striker on team. Have you ever been on Team USA? Yes, he's played Team yeah. USA. Yeah. I didn't know. I'm not as I, like obsessed. Like, that's all right. He will do soccer up the butt. Like he, <laughs> he loves soccer. I'm into it, dude. I'm. I've all of a sudden just gotten into it. Really crazy. We're we're here to hook you. That's, that's what, what, what we're going to do. But uh, but yes, yeah, so we need strikers on Team USA. So like, did you know you wanted to be a striker, a, a midfielder? I I I scored a lot of goals when I was younger. But as I got, like, what's the most you scored in a game? The most I scored in a pro game is two, but when I was younger, I would score four goals, five goals in a game. But that was, but that was because that's so, insane, though. This yeah, dude but, goes a whole season and doesn't score a goal, and that's in co-ed <laughs> on Wednesday nights. Okay, but I okay that that's so true. And so my question is, my Wednesday on night co-ed short team, field. short field. If you came out there oh, and man. you played on our team, would we would it be fifty to nothing? Like it's no, a it's no, a fifty no, minute no, no. game. So when I was younger. You know, when the competition wasn't as good and I was better than everybody else, I could score all those goals. Now that I'm a pro, I play, I'm a midfielder because I can't score for anything. So I don't score that many goals, right? So if I were to go out for your team, you would see me do a lot of simple things well. Like that's kind of my bread and butter as a pro soccer player. Like I'm not going to go and score 10 goals in your pro league or in your in your in your men's league, you know, or your co-ed oh, I don't league. know. I think we're, we're not very good. We're not. I, I mean, it depends. Because you're professional. Would you would you incentivize me? Like, what? Would you be giving me a hundred bucks a goal? Like, what are we talking about here? Dude, yeah, that, that's no, true. I'll tell you, it'll be an amazing TikTok. I'll Dude, do, he just went on there and Dak just shop, came dude. out and I, I don't think you NSC me, would, especially the field conditions, it might be a little different than the yeah, grass yeah, that yeah. they're playing with, you know, over at NSC or where or in Atlanta or wherever they go. I just think I'm like, because we, I try so hard and I'm like, God, I can't score a goal. I'm so old. and But I never scored a goal. I played left mid as as growing up. Yep. And because I can run. So what, like your fitness level, do you go for long runs or is it all sprint work? 
So that's a great question. I think it's a little bit of both. For me, I was always aerobically very fit. Like I could run for a long distance at a pretty high level for a long time. I was never like a sprinter though. I could never run at like a top speed very fast. And so soccer, that's the perfect sport for me because you got to run around a lot at a relatively moderate pace. So I was always working more on my like long distance aerobic, anaerobic fitness sprints. Listen, if you watch me play, if I ever have to do more than three or four sprints in a game, I'm not doing my job well. Like I'm not reading the game well because guess what? There are I would say 95% of professional soccer players are faster than me in general. So you'll see me run around at a moderate pace a lot, but you won't see me sprint much. So is it a lot of defense? Yeah, so I play defensive midfielder, right? Okay. And so, oh my gosh, the announcers, dude, the messy game. I watched the whole thing. I took a nap so I could stay up for it. The announcers were <laughs> in love with you guys. Like they go, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> this defense they've put together is unbelievable." Five, four, three, two. I mean, dude, for yeah. like five times they said it. I was like, guys, for the love of God. They're playing fine defense. Yeah. They're like, whatever, organize this defense. It's amazing. <laughs> well, you know what? Our our coach, he's a great coach. Um, you know, he has been he's he's renowned for putting together tactical game plans that will help nullify the oppose the opposing team. And when you're preparing to play against the greatest player that's ever lived, who, by the way, we're the same age. He's 36, I'm 36. But, you know, I played MLS my whole career. Messi, he just won the World Cup like seven months ago which is the most competitive, biggest tournament globally in the universe. Oh, that's so, right. Argentina won. Yes. And so so he's still at the peak of his powers. So when you're playing against a guy like that, you just have to prepare a little bit differently. So we were very organized. Yeah, I had a, I had a couple duels with him out there on the field. And <laughs> clearly you guys saw the goal he scored. He's an alien, man. He's were you from, involved in it? There was five guys around him. Yeah, I was there. I, I, was, I was a witness. <laughs> I was there. I saw it. I saw it fly into the top corner, and look, sometimes, I mean, it's when you play against players like that, you can prepare all you want, but our coach said it best after the game, great players are going to make great plays. It doesn't matter how good you're trying to stop them or how good of a defense you're playing. He made a better play than we were able to make in that moment, but the fact that we were able to limit that team with how many goals they've been scoring recently to only one goal, we were able to come back, tie the game, and I thought we were the better team. I thought we should have won the game in regulation. To lose in penalty shootout, you know, against a generational talent of the greatest player to ever live, there's no shame in that. We're upset we lost. I mean, I was devastated to lose the game, but, like, what a great experience, man, for not just our team, but for the whole city of Nashville. Did you get a penalty kick? I got subbed out. He, so. he took a penalty the game against uh, America. Two games before. Yeah. So penalty against Cincinnati, penalty against Club America. So they didn't. They thought there was a better kicker on your team? No, I was just tired, man. Okay. I was dead. I was like... Oh, so you told the coach, hey, I don't want a penalty? No, 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 no. Oh. no. I would never say that. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I would, hey, coach, I don't want, the, I, I don't want yeah. that smoke. I'm too scared. Because let me tell you, we, we, our center forward on our high school team... God dang, he was scared to take a penalty to save his life. He'd always say, "No, coach, I don't want it. I don't want it." And it's like, dude, you're the center forward striker. You're supposed you're to be supposed to score goals. You're supposed to score goals. I understand it's nerve wracking, but if you want to play center forward and there's a PK, step your ass up and take it. Right. I, it drove me nuts. Yeah, well, I, I would never say that. The minute I said I don't want a penalty in a big game is the minute I'd retire. So <laughs> I, I, I wanted to take uh, one, but you know the the calculations that coaches have to make. I was chasing around Messi for a bunch of the game. We had just played like a, a heavy workload in the tournament. I was starting to fatigue a little bit. And once, you, once you're 36 and you get tired at the end of a game, a coach usually says, all right, he's a prime candidate to get subbed out. So it had nothing to do with penalties. It was more so just how can I put a player in to maybe help us 
get more energy, more legs, help us win the game in regulation. But I was bummed that I wasn't in for the penalties because I was in the, the previous two shootouts. I scored. I was I was confident, you know, and what a penalty shootout. You don't watch much of the much of our games, but penalty shootouts, they don't always go to goalkeepers. That's they very never, rare. I, okay, can yeah. I tell you, I have watched a lot of soccer. I yeah. have never seen Dude, it go to 11s. When I saw yeah. the your your goalkeeper, the guy that's like dressed like a polo player, <laughs> dude, he comes out kicking. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. No, man, I didn't know he was going to kick. Well, you, it usually you have five of your best players take penalties right. or your best, most confident penalty takers. Mm-hmm. Usually after five, it's done. Somebody will miss and a goalkeeper will make a save or you know whatever it is. If it's tied after five, then it's sudden death, and it goes to the next players that are field players, or even a goalkeeper. A goalkeeper can take a penalty whenever. Yeah, because uh, in the US, in the women's game, um, sure. she took one. Yes. She was one of so, the five or six. So usually, you know, it doesn't get to goalkeepers, but when it does, it's a crazy electric scenario. And this will blow your mind even more. If our goalkeeper would have scored, guess what happens next? It would have been back to Messi. It starts, it starts over, yeah. and you go through the whole rotation again until somebody misses. Yeah, and the so, announcers did a pretty good job explaining that yeah. crap. That was, that was a crazy finish to a crazy game, man. I'm kind of li- – I liked it. It went straight to PKs, though, instead yeah. of overtime. Yeah, I mean, the the sad part is is that if it would have gone to overtime, I felt like we were the better team in the would've. second half. I feel like we would have won the game in overtime. And you got to so, blame Zimmerman, dude. He missed that header. <laughs> No, oh, man, you can't blame him for anything, dude. He was a beast throughout the whole tournament. Are you talking about the corner it was kick? Like, no, early on when they kicked it and they hit it to him and he headed it, but he headed it right to the goal. Oh, like well, he, okay. Eh, goalie made a good save. Yeah. You good know, save. That, he got up. He hit it down yeah. on the ground. I yeah. mean, what do you want him to do? Yeah. Look, there's for me, there's no blame to go around, even with, with anyone. Our team played great, man. And when it goes to PKs, there has to be a winner and a loser. And eventually, you know, someone is going to make a big play. Someone's going to make a save and... Their, you know, their team made one more play than we did, and that's the that's the sad reality of pro sports. It's like in anything, right? In the NFL and MLB and the NBA, it, when it comes down to a walk off or a last second shot or a hail mary, like you know, sometimes there's not that much between the teams, and you know, when a, a team that can make one more play at the end is going to win. Dude, this what? is crazy interviewing you though, because seriously, like you guys are making a run at it, you know? Well, yeah. no, that was crazy. That was they, a no, no. weird. Mid-season. They were limping. In, they were limping. Like it was like. What in the hell happened to NSC all of a sudden? And we get in that League's Cup, and it was yep. like something clicked. Well, yeah. Was somebody going to tell me Mukhtar was like the fastest guy in MLS? <laughs> dude, I didn't even know he was good. He's, he's one of my favorite players he's now. A, he's the Outside def- of you, you're number one. I love it. <laughs> dude, Mukhtar's fast as hell. He's, he's, the reigning, he's the reigning MVP of the whole league. So. I had no idea. This guy's been talking about it, but I didn't know Mukhtar was amazing. Yeah, welcome to the club, man. The guy's, the guy's special. Um, no, it's... It's one of those things where you know you go into a tournament like this, and this is the first time we've yes. ever played in this tournament. And the right? tournament, and see, that's the thing. Like going into it with, I mean, I have season tickets, and they ask you, "Do you want to opt in to the League's Sh- Cup?" Sure. And, and you don't know what it is. Do and you? I'm like, ah, "League's Cup. This is usually when they're going to bring up the people from the farm team, get them some. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, you get them some playing time so that you can see what you have on your farm team. Get some younger guys, some experience. A lot. Some teams." Don't try to win these tournaments. They're just trying to avoid injury, rest players, develop players. If someone has a nagging injury, you sit them down because it really doesn't mean much. And then all of a sudden you start winning, and I'm like, damn it, I should have opted into these tickets. I should have opted into these tickets. You know what I mean? Yep. Because then it goes on sale for the freaking championship, and it's like – 
Good God, I could have paid. Grand. I could have paid fifty dollars for my tickets. Instead, they want ten thousand dollars for my seats, and I'm like, God, I hate this free crap. Mar- free market economy, baby. Supply and demand. When the when the best player to ever live is coming to town, and Nashville has a chance to win their their first championship, it's going to be expensive. But I, I did, I did, you know, I did feel bad because it felt like some of our fans couldn't go to the game. But again, a lot of people, you know, what you said, they they weren't sure whether to opt into the tickets or not because. You look back on it, and you probably are saying, "Well, I regret it," but it's hard to it's hard to foresee a team making a run to a final and hosting it, right? And yes. so, I, look, I, I understand that that thought of it, but the did you did you were you you watched it on TV? The no, at, no, 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 no. The atosphere, the, the atmosphere was in the stadium. Insane. Was a, no, no, no. Was that I, I splurged for, for the tickets. Oh, you splurged for the tickets. Okay, okay. Good. Let's not lie. Okay, like, I, I, I paid for the tickets. Oh, like good, good, I ended good, up good, paying good. for the tickets. That's right. You did go. Yeah, and so, but my, my the whole thing is: is it disappointing as a player to see so many damn messy jerseys there? I think it comes with the territory with him. I think he is. I, I think he's a player that just transcends the game, and he transcends the sport, right? And so. I don't have any issues with it. I think still, for the most part, our Nashville fans showed out and they proved that they were going to drown out any messy fans who were cheering for him. And they did. But no, I don't I don't have any problem with it because at the end of the day, players that transcend the game, they are always going to have that type of following and there's nothing you can do about it. You may as well just embrace it and hopefully get the best of him. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. I mean... You're like you were saying about your defensive game plan. I felt like Messi from watching him when he joined Inter Miami. Every game he had so much on the ball action. Yep. He he dominated on the ball against every other team. Yep. Against Nashville, I swear to God, he maybe had the ball for thirty five seconds. Yep. He scored a goal and hit the post. I mean, fantastic. I mean, he's a magician. He is. And I mean, I love every time he make a run like he would try to do the give and go with the guy in the middle Dax's arms going out <laughs> grabbing make it and trying to knock yeah. him off the run you have to is man. that oh so you touched him up a little bit <laughs> I mean and, and, try to be and physical about, with and him Godoy, a little bit right at the very beginning uh, oh he did a he, he did a forearm yeah. shiver uh, with his first touch and he was like well, I'm sending a message yeah, yeah, well, I know he got called the for it. The ref told him to sell the fuck Yeah, Ishmael, yeah, that's he, his name. He, the he ref, did. his name is Ishmael, I think his name is. <laughs> it is. What funny is it? Story. What's that other guy's name? Good Boy, or what was his name? Good Boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but here's a funny about, story about Ishmael. He's from Austin, and I used to play men's league against him at Zilker Park like right after college. Like He would play, that's hilarious. and then he would ref all day long. And, dude, that dude has a cannon. Yeah, he, he could rip the ball. He can I shoot. believe it. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a decent ref. I, I got to say, when, when, when we were scouting Inter-Miami, we were watching some clips the prevailing theme about what I saw was that teams were giving Messi too much respect and they were giving him too much time and space to operate and do the things that he wanted to do. And look, to a certain extent, I get it. When you play a player of his magnitude, um, it's easy to kind of get lost in the hype and and kind of say, well, I don't want to be embarrassed by him. I don't want to get too close because he's still otherworldly when it comes to dribbling and when it comes to his touch. But our game plan was, look, let's, Let's respect what he's capable of, but let's not play scared. You know, if you play scared, you're already behind the eight ball. And so it was a big, big effort from our whole team, especially our, our back line and our midfield, to try to condense the space that he likes to work in. And look, he, he scored a great goal and hit the post. I, I don't think you're ever going to stop him from doing some of those things in the game. But for the most part, the way we handled 
how dangerous he can be, I thought was was really, really good, and I'm proud of the performance from the guys. Is there any trash talk to Messi on the field? Do you guys say anything to Not him? Really. Or, or is it more you don't want to piss off somebody? Because, <laughs> I mean, there's obviously trash talk in the game. Yeah, there is. But it's like the superstar players, do you just say, I'm not going to talk trash to him? I, th- I think it would have been different if, if you know he was chirping or back at us, but he's a really quiet humble guy for how famous and how amazing of a player he is. And so in my head, I'm thinking, I want to stop him. I want to play him as close as I possibly can, but I'm not trying to piss this guy off. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, there was no thought of like trying to get in his head with trash talk because he's the type of guy who I just don't think it affects him. You know, he's seen everything there is to see. He's played professionally for 20 years at the highest level possible. I don't think he's going to be too bothered by a... uh, (laughs) Uh, an, uh, a little redhead guy in MLS's whole career bothering him and talking trash to him. Was he speaking another language? He speaks Spanish. Yeah, yeah, I think he. I think he understands a little bit of English. I mean, I'm not too sure, but yeah, he's he, he mainly speaks Spanish. Did you say what up or no? No, oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. Hold on, hold on. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna take a break. Do you have time to stick around for? Me? Yeah, of course. Okay, uh, we're gonna get back because I wake up on Sunday and I see something on Instagram and I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> and then now this dude's all over the papers in England. And we're talking After about the game on Saturday. You were up in the morning on Sunday. Impressive. Yeah, I was going to be at the pool at 10 a.m., but it didn't quite happen at 10 a.m. <laughs> and so, I mean, Dax McCarty all over the papers in England. And I'll tell you why right after this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. 
and of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See, next, we don't really take a break. We just sit here and talk. We'll just insert the commercials. So how... Okay, going into the game, like, did it, as a player, are you jazzed up because you're about to play the best of all time, or do you have to block that out and say, I'm going to get a championship? Like, what's the mind? Is the, it mi- a little- the mindset is, I'm going to get a championship. Like, I don't care who I'm playing against. I want to win. I mean, that's why you play the game. That's why you play sports is to win trophies and to win championships. I think secondary is, man, I... We, as a team, have the opportunity to do something that, A, no team has done yet, which is beat Inter-Miami with Messi, and and B, yeah, you get the chance to go and, and win a trophy and play in a championship game against who many people consider and I consider to be the greatest player to ever live. He just won the World Cup seven months ago. Like, yeah, it adds a little extra fuel to the fire, but you want to win over, over anything else. So how did you end up with Messi's jersey? Like, I, I need, so, I mean, that is so... Dude, he got Messi's game-worn jersey, and just so you know, his wife said, quote, smells like cologne. <laughs> so going into the game, that's that's funny. Uh, is this real? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so go, going into the game, there's never, you know, you, the the tradition of trading jerseys, Yes, it's prevalent in soccer. It's a sign of either you do it with your friends or people you know or a player that you think is great, and it's like a mutual sign of respect. Um, and, and I've done it throughout my whole career. I've gotten you know jerseys from friends of mine. I've gotten jerseys from great players. And it's something that when I look back on, I think I want to look at that collection and say I'm really proud of, of these people that I've been able to go toe-to-toe with. And so the conversation was it was actually between me and Hani Mukhtar before the game, uh, a few days before. And, and he was like, hey, do you want to get Messi's jersey? I was like, well... You know, that's not at the forefront of my mind if it so happens to come to be where, you know, we're close together and I, I ask him to trade and he's willing to do it. I'm going to ask. Sure. And Hani said, all right, no problem. You know, we we play uh, we play Miami down in Miami in a week, in a week and all you know, I can trade with him down there. So that was kind of how that conversation went after the game. You know, you're upset, man. We, we just lost in a heartbreaking fashion um, and we're shaking hands and then it clicked on me. Oh, well, Messi still has his jersey on. You know, no one's gotten it. Let me go see if I can get it. So I shake his hand. I asked him to trade and he says, in the tunnel, let's trade in the tunnel, basically, because he wanted to celebrate and with his jersey on, right? Because there's pictures and all kinds of stuff. So... Fast forward 30 minutes, you know, uh, I'm in the tunnel. He comes in. We trade. Uh, he was really humble, really gracious. Um, Were you waiting in the tunnel? I went back to the locker room. Uh, told- did you stay out and watch them lift the trophy? Because I know some of the players no, did. Got- I, I didn't yeah. know. I couldn't see who all was down there. But you see some of the players. And, like, when you watch, like, Major League Stephon Baseball Diggs. or, you know, basketball yeah. or some of them, or, the you know, college football, some of them stay on the bench and watch and just sit there sad. Or is it like, I, I want to get off the field and kind of – 
I mm. did. I did a little bit of both. Um, we were waiting around there uh, after we got our, our runners up medals, and you know, obviously, it's uh, I think you know a sign of respect to to see the winning team get their medals. And right when they were about to lift the trophy, a few of us started to head back in the locker room. So I was a part of that crew. I didn't stick around for the entire celebration. You know, it, it hurts, man. Honestly, it hurts when you lose, and uh, it hurts when you watch another team celebrate a trophy on your home field, right? Because we we had full confidence and belief that that was going to be us. Yeah. And so it hurt, man. It was it was devastating. But go back in the locker room. Our coach gave um, a kind of a wrap up, a tournament wrap up speech, and he was proud of us. And I think we were all proud of each other. I mean, you know, you never want to sit there and 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 say you're happy you lost. I mean, everyone's pissed off and devastated. But at the end of the day, we should have been proud, and we were proud of our performance. And so after that, I waited about 15, 20 minutes. I went to the tunnel with my, my, one of my buddies, a kit, the kit man. And we were hanging out while, um, inner Miami was kind of doing their rounds, waving to their fans. And after about 10, 15 minutes, they walked back in Messi had about 10 photographers surrounding him. And he saw me and was like, let's change. And that was it. We traded. And I don't know what he's going to do with my Jersey. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> it's I can't, framed I, in the messy yeah, castle. Yeah. I can't imagine. Uh, I can't imagine that there's too much thought about, uh, him keeping that Jersey, but um, yeah, afterwards, I, I took the jersey home. I had some friends and family with me, and it was kind of just like laying on my dining room table. And a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, he has Messi's jersey, yeah. and he walks in the house and just tosses it on the table, like, I'll get that in the morning. Yeah. Right, but he's also an athlete and a professional. It's not like us getting it. I know, know, but still, it's still funny. Well, you know what's funny about that statement is that that's true, but at, at my core, like, I'm a fan of the game. Right. And even though I play professionally, I still I probably watch more games than I've ever played in. Like I watch soccer religiously. I love the game. I love everything about it. I'm I am about a, to. I'm a fan of greatness and I'm a fan of great players. And so at my core, like I'm a Messi fan, no question about it. When I'm playing against him, he's my he's my my competition. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to beat him. I'm trying to do whatever I can to win the game. But then after it's all said and done, there's no question that he is a guy who like he's worth being a fan of like he's that good and so the jersey's on the table I think one of my buddies picked the jersey up and was like man like it kind of smells like cologne (laughs) and so and he didn't go like like pick it up and sniff it right away it's just he kind of held it out you know and and he kind of got a waft and so if you watch Messi play at least right now you see him walk around the field for a majority of the game. A lot. And then he, he turns it on when he gets the ball and when he needs to sprint. And But he's always moving. And that's what they moving. if you watch yeah. soccer, that's what's amazing. Is I realize that when I'm playing my co ed game, I'm like, man, I should always be moving. So I'm yeah. like moving my place into spots. You know what I mean? Like yeah. back in high school when I had all the energy in the world now, I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna take catch my breath right here and stand here. And then the ball goes over there. I'm like, damn, I should have been walking that way. You know <laughs> what I mean? The field, half yeah. The field. And so so he look. Messi conserves energy because his job is to score goals and to attack. His job is not to defend. And so I think he probably, you know what, yeah, maybe sweat here and there during the game, but honestly, he's conserving energy more than he's running. And so uh, I don't know if he if it was cologne before the game, if he wears cologne during the game. Who knows, man, honestly, with that guy. But it's funny because everyone kind of started laughing, like, how does it smell like cologne? Like, my wife like has smelled my jersey after a game. If, I, if it's a special jersey, I'll bring it home and it isn't washed. She's like... Get that out of our room. It smells awful. You know what I mean? Um, and so for me, it just kind of was a funny thing. And she ended up like tweeting something out, like a picture of it or something. And you have to know my wife and you have to know our type of humor and our banter. It's it's very sarcastic. And so this tweet, it was a response to someone who was like, hey, are you going to hang that up? And she was like, ah, maybe. Like, it smells like cologne. Like, it's only messy that could do that or something like that. 
and it just like took off like it's getting picked up by all these like british tabloids and i'm sitting there thinking like what the hell is going on right now and people are i think maybe taking it out of context a little bit as as something where it's some sort of weird fetish thing and i'm like come on people like let's be honest look anything for a story i know how the tabloids work i I get it but it is a little bit funny uh to look back on and say all right like i get it it's a funny story you know people are going to take it however they want to take it um but it's a joke you know what i mean my wife's messing around and i can't really actually believe that it has made the headlines that it's made i mean you look everywhere it's like Oh, wag of soccer yeah. player Dax McCarty, and <laughs> which she absolutely despises that moniker. By the <laughs> way, my wife is my wife is actually the opposite of a wag. Like I don't she even has, know what a wag like wives and girlfriends. It's a term. It's it, well what? done, perfect. There you go. Well, I knew like they have baseball wives, but I didn't know they called them. Like, is it a bad thing to be a wag? Like to be a it's, wife of a soccer to player? To me, <laughs> to me, it is a it is a very like British term that English media kind of invented to describe women who. Um, were wives and girlfriends of soccer players, okay. right? And it, it is, like, the connotation surrounding it is more, oh, like, this is just a girl who doesn't want to work and mm. just wants to be Got it. Gold taken diggers. care of. Right. Mm. Cleat chaser. So, so it's 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 not the best connotation, and, like, my wife is the absolute opposite of that. Like, she's got, she started her own business. She is an entrepreneur. Like, she does a million different things in our life, and so it is a little bit of a term that she is not too fond of. And I, I, I got to say, I don't blame her for being a little bit perturbed by being called that. Okay, we're going to get off messy after one more. What what would have been more devastating? Losing in the PKs or that last player regulation that I don't know what, that, <laughs> yeah. what I, I don't know what happened. I still I, I yeah. still don't know if he was off sides or not. Like, I think I, he was on. I think he was on side. It was it, it was a weird play, right? Oh um, my god! Close to Shaq it? falls down. No, because I was on the bench, bench. O- yeah. opposite end. I mean, I saw it. I saw it happen. I, Shaq falls down, gets up, he chips it over Panico, and then Shaq falls down again, yeah. and then he slides it. I it was mean, crazy. I, I think in general, losing in penalties is devastating always. But it would have been more devastating in that moment to lose on that play yeah. because that was they didn't have hardly any chances in the second half. Like literally, they hit the post with Messi. That was it, and that was it, and so. The last kick of the game, if we lose on a fluke play like that, I, I think we're a lot more devastated and heartbroken than losing in a penalty shootout, which, man, that was one for the ages. There's nothing to be ashamed of with the way that we took our penalty kicks and the way that we played, but that last play was just bananas. Are that, you a fan of any other sport besides soccer? Do you watch other sports? I'm a fan of a bunch of sports, man. I'm a fan, uh, a big fan of tennis. I love, uh, I'm an Orlando Magic fan since I'm from Orlando so like I was like Penny Hardaway was my favorite athlete growing up so I still follow the NBA and I play fantasy football so if I didn't play fantasy football I probably wouldn't watch the NFL but I do I watch the NFL I watch the NBA and I love tennis that's like my sport dude tennis right now with Alcatraz and freaking Joker that's we're gonna see that for the next five years it's those two in every final and I think it's cool like what Netflix has done kind of telling stories of athletes a little better like with the f1 series and now with tennis i think it's called like breakpoint or something i started watching it and like it just hooks you in man it's cool you get to see the other side of like athletes and their stories and that's something that i think is really cool and i i think we're going to see a lot more of that you saying they're going to film an mls one Maybe I don't know. I don't have any inside well, I mean, information. You would be the but... guy. The, no, you're I don't. The Jersey Cologne guy. I know. I don't have any inside info, but I would. I would 
But I, you have connections. Like if that's an idea, you don't take that to Apple TV and be like, oh, "Look, come God. on, guys." I think. I mean, I'm sure these have been th- these ideas have been thrown out there. I mean, look, you you'd have to be crazy to think that Apple is not trying to do some sort of documentary on Messi coming to MLS. I'm certain that will eventually be released. I think but, they've already been filming it. They said he's getting followed by cameras. I don't know. If well, yeah. Happened. Did you see the amount of press that was there? Like it was crazy. I actually think the best sports related content out there is still Hard Knocks. I yes, love hard yeah, yeah. I agree with you 100%. Like, they did that quarterbacks on Netflix, and I watched it, and I'm like, It was good. It, it was, was good, all right. But Hard Knocks is better. Yeah. So much better. Yeah. And it's so Modern. entertaining. And I mean, just, I still remember, I mean, I don't even remember the guy's name, but 7 Eleven was on the show, and he was always open. That was his name in training camp. And I don't even know, I think it was um, the guy that went and played lacrosse, Hogan. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, and I'm just like, it's so fascinating to see the ins and the outs and the interaction. And then it's sad to see him get cut. But sure. that's part of the sport, and it's oh, it's wild. It's part, part of the human interest, right? Because you see, I think these shows have helped humanize athletes a lot more, right? They're yes. not just the name on the back of the jersey or part of an organization. You see they have lives off the field. You see we bleed and sweat like everybody else does. And you know what? Like the human side of it, like athletes, you know, we're not robots. We're not perfect. We make mistakes, and, and you know, it's just you're in such a heightened atmosphere with fans always seeing everything you do it's nice for people to be able to see the other side of people and, and kind of humanize that element of them a little bit more and a truck driver i mean he hasn't All worked truck out. driver dude. truck driver hasn't worked out in a freaking month dude and then you guys work out pretty much every day <laughs> you know that's what they realize honestly from these shows oh there's other people that do sprints and stuff while i'm just in my sprinter van when you go on vacation do you work out oh man depends on the vacation depends on how close it is to preseason if it's vacation right after the season's over, I'm not touching a weight or running for a few weeks. Love if it. it's if it's vacation that's like within a few weeks of preseason, I'm I'm running. Because I running. saw Dame, I saw Dame in the middle of the summer though, so he was straight up vacay. <laughs> exactly. He was in the Dominican Republic. Damian Lillard just chilling. You gotta rest, man. Athletes, we we we. I mean, especially soccer. If you if you look at a European season, oh, it's crazy. They have the, the players that play the longest seasons. They have legitimately they play. 11 months out of a year and they have six weeks that's it that's their vacation time so us we have a little bit of a longer break we have closer to like eight weeks but the seasons are so much longer in soccer than they are in any other sport you have to find time to rest so you said your goal was to play over in europe what is the difference the biggest difference between soccer over there and mls well, that's not my goal anymore because I'm 36 and I don't think anyone in Europe's touching me with a 10-foot pole. Um, when I was younger, it was definitely a goal of mine. And I had a few opportunities here and there to maybe go over there. But there's a lot that has to go into it to play in Europe, right? I mean, the biggest difference for me is, is I think, promotion and relegation, which obviously people talk about a lot over here. With Do you think they MLS. should adopt that? As a player, I would love promotion and relegation over here. Right, I think that it's a very exciting version of soccer. I think that this it raises the stakes a little bit, but again, promotion and relegation it comes with very high highs for teams that get promoted, and it comes with very low lows for teams that get relegated because those teams they lose a ton of money. They've got to cut budget. They've got to cut players. They've got to cut staff. Like it's not all you know roses and sunshine for promotion and relegation. Like I understand why MLS hasn't adopted it. We haven't been in a place financially to be able to afford to do that. And so, look, I would love to see it. Do I think it's realistic? Not. It's never going to happen in my time playing. Maybe in 50 years it'll happen, but I think the biggest difference is the promotion relegation. These leagues are established. They've got history. They've got culture. MLS has only been around for you know 30 years, right? And these other leagues have been around for years. Do you realize of years. you've been in the MLS? Like, you're, you're 
longer than half of its existence. Is that weird? It's weird. And one of my buddies told me before the season, he's like, Dax, you realize you turned pro at 18. You're you're turning 36 this year. Half of your life will you will have spent as a pro soccer player in MLS. And when you think about it in that context, it's kind of hard to believe, man. Really, it is. And uh, it sucks because you snap your fingers and it goes by so quickly. I can't believe I'm already in year 18. And I'm like possibly thinking about what comes next. Scary. At what age, we'll take a break, and I want to talk about like different things you learn in soccer that I know it's part of the game, but drive people nuts. The sure. flopping, the laying down. We'll talk, it. we'll talk about it right after this. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. At what age do you learn to roll around on the ground? Because, I mean, I played soccer, and, I mean, we weren't very – I mean, we – I mean, I played, you know, whatever, high school, and that was it. Like, right. it wasn't competitive that way. But at what age did you learn to roll around the ground? Because we had one guy on our team, Carlos. He must have played <laughs> for a different club team than I did because he would roll around and all the crowd, oh, and I'm like, he's fine, guys. He's faking it. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> like, how do you guys I, learn I gotta that? Say, I, I got to say, I think it's ingrained in you from a young age through coaching. I, I was never, never taught that. And I never done it in my career. I don't flop. I, I don't um, embellish. I don't exaggerate injuries. If I'm injured, I'm injured, and it's going to hurt. And I'm going to tell my trainer. But I, I'm not. It's called gamesmanship, right? And I think more sports. It's funny because I don't like it. I, I don't approve of it. But it is part of the game of soccer. It always will be. It always has been. It's funny. I think American sports are actually adopting it more so now. Like you see it in the NBA. Oh, Manu, Ginob- it, Manu Ginobili brought it to the NBA. You see it in the NFL even. It's now right? crossed over, yeah. It has. And like, I don't like it. I don't approve of it. I would never do it. But in, as far as players doing whatever they need to do to win the game, like what is towing that line between playing within the rules and doing something that's legal and then cheating, right? Like I, I don't ever think embellishing an injury would be considered cheating, but is it a little bit dirty? Yeah, I think it is, but I was never taught that, so I, I don't do that. What about when a ref makes a call and everybody on your team has to surround the damn ref and no, 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 <laughs> that's not right, that's not right. Da, 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 da. Look, man, that's part of gamesmanship I, I, too. I, <laughs> and, and the thing about professional sports is the emotions are so heightened and the stakes are so high. So first of all, refereeing, is the hardest job in, in not only in sports, but I think pretty much anywhere. It's the worst thing you, ever. You can't please everyone. You're going to eventually, you're, like, you have human beings making subjective decisions about games that are happening at a million miles an hour. There will be mistakes, right? And there's ways that sports have introduced to try to mitigate those mistakes, but you're still going to get bad calls. And so, in the heat of the moment, when players surround the ref, it doesn't look good. It's not a good look, but it's just players that are angry and they want to win the game, right? And so as I've gotten older, I think I've calmed down a lot and I, I don't do it as much as I used to. Um, but look, any way you can try to get in the ref's ear to tell him, hey, man, I think you made a bad call there. Please, like, you know, reconsider it next time you're thinking about making a call yeah. like that. You always want to try to sway them, right? And that, that that's just a reality of, of professional sports, right? You just you want to get favorable calls that go in your team's direction. When yeah, and they respect you, though, because you've been around for a while. And they respect you, and I think they respect the way that you approach them. If you approach them and you tell them to F off and F your mother, like they're, they're not go- they're not going to appreciate that. You know? The, yeah. it, but if you say, hey, listen, I think you made a bad call, you know, and you're not berating them with hand gestures, I think they respect that. And so that's kind of how I've tried to uh, approach referees in my older years. What When I'm trying to see how, like, when players, so you go up and you put your hands behind your back. Is that why you, you yes. do it? Just yes. so you, because you walk, they walk up and they put their hands behind their back, trying to act like, hey, I'm not confrontational. It's diffusing. It diffuses the situation. Because if you're like smart, demonstrative, and you're like throwing fingers and hands in their face, I don't think they appreciate that. I think they're much more likely to give you a yellow card than actually listen to you. Do all refs speak English? Yeah. They said that's uh, universal I, I at think, the World Cup. Well, I don't know if it's universal, but I think, look, I think English for the most part would be probably considered a universal language. Um, and so all the refs in MLS speak English. Uh, maybe in Europe a couple of them don't, but uh, I'm not sure. And then when people are laying around on the ground 
and you do you ever walk up to him? Get the get up. Get, come on. You're bo- sometimes. You're, you're, sometimes. Like, like yeah, is there trash talk to the person that's yeah, embellishing? If you know, like let's say you get called for a foul and you know that you fouled the guy, but you know it wasn't that bad and you know they're not injured. Yeah, it's going to be a little frustrating seeing him roll around on the ground and try to get a ref to uh, maybe give you a yellow card or call a penalty. And so, yes, there is trash talking in that sense. But um, I got to be honest. I mean, for the amount of games and the amount of time that is played, the embellishment stuff, I think it's blown out of proportion. It really doesn't happen as much as people say it does. Because I think people don't realize when they get hit, like when you guys get hit, like, it hurts. Yeah, it does. Like, I mean, those are some big studs coming in, and it may not look bad to you, but when it rakes across that foot, there's nothing there protecting it. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Right, you got any questions? But I was going to say, you don't necessarily jump in the air in real life if that happened. But also, when you watch the replay... Well, drop a book on your foot. Do you jump up in the air? <laughs> not that high. These guys like, you bounce, jump like little You bounce on sometimes. one foot for yes, a little bit. Yes, you bounce on one foot for a minute. I, I guarantee it. Like, you step on a but Lego... And here's, it, a, here's the difference. You're, you're getting a book dropped on your foot or step on a Lego. You're not running... At 20 miles an hour. Right. You know, and so when, when these plays happen, it most of the time it's like like a miniature car crash, right? It's not like the NFL where guys are smashing each other, but like, yeah, you're running fast. And look, the body is not meant to be contorted or, you know, hit in certain ways. And it hurts, man. But sometimes, yeah, of course, there's embellishment and guys are trying to take advantage of the ref. And that's just always going to be a part of the game. Um, after the game, you guys have the next day off, or do you practice at all? Yeah, we 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 had a few days off. It's been a long tournament, man. You you know we played oh. we played seven seven games in three three and a half weeks, I right. think, which is a, that's a heavy load for for any team that plays. And so, yeah, our coach is very. I think our coach is very cognizant of managing bodies, managing minutes, and yeah, we got a couple days off to lick our wounds and. Um, it still hurts. I got to be honest. It still hurts that, that we didn't win the trophy. It still hurts that we lost. Um, but again, I'll go back to the same thing I said at the beginning. I'm so proud of the way that our team played and the way that we performed, not just in the final, but throughout the whole tournament. I think everyone on our team should be proud and our city should be proud about how they they showed up for that semifinal and that final. Some of the best atmospheres I've played in. How do you turn it off? Like competitor, so angry you lost, and then you go home. And because you have a wife, kids, yeah. like, is it immediate, like, oh, hey, you know? No, kids- I, it's a good question. I uh, I tried to diffuse, I, I tried to decompress in the car a little bit going home. So I live about five to ten minutes from Geodis Park, depending on traffic. Do you drive yourself home? Does your wife drive home? No, 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 I drive. I drive okay. myself home. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't, know, I didn't know if you carpooled well, was, the game. Look, I was the last one, I was I was the last guy to leave the stadium that night. And, you know, it's, it's you're you're trying to reflect on things you could have done better, trying to reflect on what went wrong. And in the car, um, you know, I've learned as I've gotten older, the stuff that happens on the field, especially when you have a family, um, the stuff that happens on the field, it's never a good idea to try to bring that home and to try to bring that into the home, your disappointment, your frustration, because that manifests itself in different ways around your kids. I mean, I've got two kids and they were sleeping by the time I got home, but I had my best friend and his family in town. I had my wife, I had my parents and my brother in town. You just, you want to put on a brave face and and you want to make sure that, yeah, like, okay, you're disappointed, you're upset, you lost, but you're proud of, of, you know, what you represent and and how you played. And that was kind of how I tried to handle it. And when you walk in the house, do you guys talk about the game or do you talk about what's going on in Big Brother or like (laughs) a TV show? Like, do you chase? When it's a final and especially when it's a final played against, you know, Inter-Miami who have Messi and Busquets and Jordi Alba, um, it's kind of hard not to talk about that. and. I think in general, you know, your family just wants to, you know, 
be that kind of support system, right? They want to be that crutch if you are upset. And so, yeah, there was a little bit of talk about the game. There was a little bit of talk about, hey, like, should we stay in? Should we go grab a beer to, like, you know, celebrate a little bit, a good tournament? And so there's all all kinds of calculations and permutations going on when you get home. But uh, I think the overriding feeling was just I'm glad my family was there to to, to witness such a great game. Sad result, disappointing outcome, but... Ultimately, there's a lot of pride that's involved in that. Did you get them all tickets? Yep. Dope. Yep. So they, <laughs> that's they, how it worked. They there there were there were some tickets that had to be paid for, but uh, I don't think. Hopefully, the club was so gracious and able to to help us get tickets that were at you know fairly reasonable prices. That's awesome. Yeah. And then the rest of the season. I mean, now it starts back up. I mean, the race for the cup. I mean, now we're trying to win it all, dude. That's it. Yeah, MLS Cup is the focus. We've got um, we've got ten games left in the regular season. Uh, five home, five on the road. We have uh, such good momentum. I think heading into the last ten games, um, and we're confident. Uh, like I, I love the place that our team is in right now. I think we're in a good mood. I think we have a lot of confidence, and you know we we want to make the playoffs first and foremost. And then once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. We're going to win MLS Cup. What are you guys in the standings? Oh man! So there were a few games that happened on Sunday. I think we're like fifth, fifth or sixth in the top East. eight, nine, top nine make it. Um, like but some we're, I think we're, you know, we're three points out of second place. So, so we beat Charlotte this weekend on Saturday. Then we beat Miami on Wednesday. Boom, we're in second place. No problem. Yep. So we'll see how it goes, man. We're just we're going to attack the the second half of the season with uh with with the goal of of making the playoffs and trying to win a cup. Hey, does uh Zinner Miami make the playoffs? Ooh, that's a that's a spicy question. They gotta um, win. Like, I think seven out of eleven. I think they gotta win more than that. I think I got twelve games left. I think they probably need to win nine or ten. And <laughs> oh, I mean, there's no way. I there's no way. I mean, you never look. I, I at the risk of you know fanboying too hard over Messi, you never want to count him out because he is truly great, great player. But I think it's probably too tall of a task right now yeah. for, for them to make the playoffs. Because like like on Saturday, a tie would have done them no good. Right, they get a like, point like in that tournament. Exactly, and, and a tournament you can they can tie and they can go to a shootout in the MLS they just regular get a point. season. They get a point, and that not does not three. help them. They need three points exactly. every single time out. So that 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 hill they got to climb is very steep. I would say I would say they you know they won League's Cup they won the they won a trophy they are in the semifinal of the U.S. Open Cup which oh. they play against Cincinnati is uh, tomorrow so mm-hmm. Wednesday I <clears throat> I would say that if they win that game and they end up winning U.S. Open Cup that you know this season's a wash they'd be very happy with that I mean yeah and the emo- I don't know how you guys how do you guys maintain the emotional because the emotional letdown you got to get back up for the yeah no that, that's not- a that's a let. It's huge. It's not easy. It's not easy. And, you know, you still think about what could have been, quite frankly, with hosting a final and, and winning the championship. But you, you just have to move on. I mean, professional sports, I think the best players, they're able to have a short memory, right? It's like quarterbacks. You got to, if, if you throw an interception, you got you to gotta have a short memory. You got to figure it out um, and move on. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, I think we're going to be proud of how we performed. We can be sad that we lost, but... Uh, I think it's a, a good stepping stone for us to go in these last ten games and, and go try to win a trophy. And that's guys, why. That's guys, why we're not professional athletes, right? Because I watch a game and the the Cubs lose, and you know, game five, and I'm like, oh, it's over. There's no way they can win. And then they win the next game. I'm like, how did they do that? The we're Spurs, back. The Spurs are like, they get blo- they sh- the shot at the buzzer. There's no way they're gonna be out. Oh, and they recover and they win the next game. It just makes no sense. You guys to me. meet Giannis. 
Is he no, 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 no. We saw the I saw the video of him on the field uh, before the game. You're like, get game. off my field, boy. No, it was great. Oh. I loved it. I thought it was great. I but why can't he wear? My question is, like, why do these people? Reese too Wither- cool, dude. Thank you. Oh, they, that's my question. Reese Witherspoon. Uh, they're all there. Maybe she's they, not a fan. But they Colby don't Calais. wear Nashville SC stuff. Like Kobe Calais singing the national anthem. Wear a Nashville SC jersey. It drives me insane that the, Giannis is a minority owner of the team. And I supposedly he was wearing a jersey later, but when he's out on the field. Dude, rock a freaking jersey. Like, it drives me insane. Like, why do more owners and people not take their cues from Mark Cuban? Well, I mean, back up. The reason you're a fan, or I would think the reason you have the team is you're a fan. And wear the jersey. Wear the gear. Wear a hat. Why do we wear suits? Why do we wear Nike sweatpants instead of Nashville SC gear? Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. All right, Dax, I'm sorry. Thank you for coming in. Dude. Really <laughs> Thanks, dude. That was a good rant to end the pod, man. Yeah, all right. Take it easy. Appreciate it, dude. Thanks, guys. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old (laughs) And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. 
We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.